This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Jim Hanks, and you're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Listen closely. everyone and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley and man, do I have a special guest for you guys this week. He's an actor, producer, cinematographer, writer, director, and the list goes on. He's in all avenues of the entertainment industry, but he's probably best known for a few different things. He's the running stunt double in Forrest Gump in, in the uh, scene where he's running across America. He's the voice of Woody in all the Toy Story toys, video games, specials, and Toy Story-themed rides at Disney. And he was also the voice of Jeffrey the Draft from the Toys R Us commercials in the early 2000s, during the time when Jeffrey was the great big animatronic draft. It was my pleasure to get to speak with Jim Hanks this week. And man, did I have such a great time talking with him. I talked to him about how he got into the industry, his time uh, doing stand-up comedy, his experiences voicing Jeffrey the Draft and Woody, and so much more. It was such a good conversation, but I'm not going to give too much of it away because I want you guys to hear it for yourself. But before we get to it, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you like what we're doing, want to show some support, there's many different ways you can do that. Head over to CandairPodcast.com and there's a few different uh, buttons on there you can click. First, our merch tab where you can get t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and a bunch of other things, as well as our Patreon tab where for 5 to $10 a month, you can get access to a whole catalog of uh, extra content that's exclusive only to Patreon. And if you want to support us but don't really have the financial means to do so, just head over to your podcast player of choice, leave us a review, give us a rating, because I tell you what, people, I've said it before and I'll say it again, that really does help. It's not just making us feel good about ourselves. It really goes to help getting us more exposure. And from the time this episode posts, we're only a week away from Fan Expo Cleveland at the Huntington Convention Center happening April 29th, 30th, and May 1st, which is the con formerly known as Wizard World. There's going to be all kinds of cosplay, all kinds of vendors, comics, toys, you name it, it's going to be there, including uh, some special celebrity guests like William Shatner, Michael Rooker, Ron Perlman, Billy West, Rob Paulson, Kevin Smith, Jay Muse, and the Clerks cast, and so many more other amazing guests that you won't want to miss. So head over to FanExpoHQ.com or just Google Fan Expo Cleveland to get your tickets now. And if you're going to be there, you'd like to meet up with us, we're going to be there too. Just shoot us a message and let us know. We'd be happy to meet up with you and uh, shake the hands of some of our fans, maybe even hang out for a little bit. And as always, don't forget to check out the Evergreen Podcast Network at evergreenpodcasts.com, the network we're so proud to be a part of with so many other fantastic shows. Uh, Once again, evergreenpodcasts.com. And I do believe they're going to have a booth or some kind of presence at Fan Expo as well in Cleveland. So if you're at the convention, be sure to stop by their booth and tell them Candair sent you. 
So with everything having been said, let's just cut right over to my conversation with Jim Hanks. Jim, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show today. It's really an honor to have uh, the voice of Jeffrey on the show. So thank you so much. No, it's my pleasure. Glad to be here. So how are you today, sir? I'm well. It's a nice day in Los Angeles and, you know, got some stuff done and got my exercise in and I'm, I'm good to go. Very good. That's one thing I haven't done is got the exercise in so far, but <laughs> we're experiencing a crazy, crazy windy day today. It's almost ripped the siding off the building a few times. No joke. Wow. Where are you? Uh, we're in, uh, in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, okay. So, you know, it can be beautiful one day. It'll be snowing the next. You never know what's happening out there. My, my mother lived in Columbus for uh, about a year, two years, something like that. <clears throat> really? She, yeah. She was in the... Um, long-term care business and she ended up there for a while and then moved back to california okay well i'm sure it's probably the weather that had a big part in driving her back <laughs> no, i think it was all business stuff it was a long time ago and gotcha. i only visited her once so i can't really say i know columbus very well at all i mean i like columbus but uh yeah there's not a whole lot of things to make an impression on one's memory <laughs> that i'm aware <laughs> of <laughs> Well, once again, thank you so much for being here. And I just wanted to start back to uh, when you were a child. You know, I've heard so many people say uh, that are in, you know, into acting or in the entertainment industry that uh, when they were children, they were very eccentric, uh, maybe even, you know, classified as a class clown. Would you uh, describe yourself as such when you were young or no? No, no, I was um, I was painfully shy. I had no aspirations to be uh, uh, an actor that kind of came much, much later, even after uh, someone in the family became very successful at it. Didn't really have much of a desire. Um, didn't know much about it until I moved to Los Angeles with my wife. And she wanted to, she was, she's an actor and she wanted to make a go of it down here. And I got sucked into it pretty quickly after that. What was it about, uh, what was it about it that drew you in? Was it just seeing uh, her pursue it or what was it? Well, when she was pursuing it, uh, we met in Sacramento and she was doing uh, a lot of dinner theater and getting paid for it. So, you know, she was a professional actor when I first met her. But, you know, doing dinner theater in a small market like Sacramento doesn't, you know, it's not a career. So she wanted to, you know, try to go somewhere where she could make it. And uh, we talked to a lot of different places. We were talking Chicago, Seattle, New York, blah, blah, blah. And we decided that, well, you know, Los Angeles is kind of the mecca for sure. you know, film and television. So we came down and her first job was uh, a receptionist for a talent agency. And the guy who owned it met me, went, oh, and then said, you know, I can get you some auditions. And I allowed that. And uh, unfortunately, that I got in front of people I should never have been in front of at that time because I was super, super green. Okay. Uh, did not know what the hell I was doing, but what really sold it for me was when I got into an acting class, which was a cold reading class. And, um, I did my first class and did pretty well. And that was it. I was hooked, you know, that, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, got a pretty good uh, reception from the class from the scene I did and just went, Oh, that's why people like this. I see. And that was and that was it. Yeah, that was pretty much okay. Now I know what I'm going to do with my life. 
Right. But when we had moved down here, I was just going to wait tables and, you know, make money so my wife could pursue her thing. And then we both ended up pursuing the same thing and both waiting tables at the same time. But keeping busy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Paying the bills. Is she still uh, acting? Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. What's, am I allowed to ask her name? No, some of the stuff she's done. Karen Prexel. She, P R A X E L. Um, you know, she's, uh, she hasn't done a lot of, a lot of big stuff, you know, it's just, but she perseveres and like everything in this, especially in this business, I think the, the first word for success is perseverance. You just keep right. going, you keep going. And, and, and also for her and myself now, there's nothing else I want to do. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know I'm, I'm doing a lot of different things within the industry, but uh, right. this industry is the one I want to be in. So Now, I had heard you say that, uh, you know, early on that you also were uh, doing st- some stand-up. Mm-hmm. And I was just very curious because I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy. I'm curious if you remember any of your acts, any of your jokes, anything like that. Uh, my, to- my jokes were super topical. Uh, for the moment, most of them did not, do not age well. Uh, <laughs> most of them, if I said, if I repeated them now, people go, what? I don't know, <laughs> you know, just stupid, you know, dumb little things that were happening at the time, you know, you know, commercials from the late eighties and stuff like that. So, but, um, I did end up having to, um, open when I first started doing, I only did it for about three years. And when I first started doing, I refused to address, you know, the elephant in the room being the famous guy. Sure. Um, but when I, I would get up and, um, I I learned a couple of things doing standup is one is, um, when you are introduced, especially if it's a night of open mics and things like that, or, you know, just a bunch of uh, comedians. One thing is they, they don't really listen to the introduction. So I would go up and no one would really have listened. And I would stand there or I would start doing my, my, my stuff, my material. And I would hear this. Everybody's, you know, talking while I'm trying to do this stuff. Right. And it just got to a point where I realized no one was listening to me because they are, especially then back in that day, the you know Tom and I looked a lot alike. Sure. And when I'm getting in front of an audience and I'm projecting into a microphone, I sound a lot like them. The, the louder I get, the more I sound like them. And so people are going, what, what, who, "Is that? Is that? Is that? Is that? Is that?" And so after about a year of refusing to do uh, to address it, I started addressing it, and everything that I said pertaining to him was not written by me. It was stuff that had actually happened. So ultimately what I ended up doing is I would go out and I would, I would go, I'd be introduced, I'd walk out and I would literally not say a word. I would just stand there for about 30 really? seconds or so. And people would be going, oh, oh God, he's so hot. You know, you just hear them saying all this stuff. Right. And I would finally say, I know what you're thinking. And the place would, place would, they would, they would just crack everybody up. And I would do a couple of jokes about being the brother of Tom, which is something I'd never thought of. Uh, You know, who thinks about that, you know? Um, And so, and I would do a couple of minutes and then move on. And so once I broke that ice, it was fine. And it was, and I really had a good time doing it. 
But um, I ended up, uh, what was it? Uh, I guess it was around 90, 94, 95. I'll mention the, the, the famous guy again. Uh, I did uh, some work on Gump, Forrest Gump. And um, right. and then when I finished that, I was I would, did that for like six weeks. And then I came back and I had agreed to do a play in Los Angeles that took like two or three months. And so when I went back to doing stand-up, every guy who was running the the rooms in all in all the places, you know, uh, the places that I that I would go to to do stand-up, all the guys booking the rooms had changed. So I'm calling up and say, hey, hey, how you doing? I haven't been around for a while. You know, is there? And they would go, who are you? And I just, <laughs> it was like, we did like five or six phone calls like that. And they all went, well, I don't know who you are. You'll have to come in and try out. And I just went, oh, screw it. I'm done. Yeah. And also I had a very, very young, my son was only about three or four. And it was getting harder and harder for me to stay up till two or three o'clock in the morning. And my wife was managing a restaurant by that time. And so it was just too hard having a little kid. So I just kind of dropped out of it. But stand-up was probably the single best thing I did as far as training and 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 just in the industry as, as in general. Right. Um, I learned a lot from it. It gave me a lot of confidence. It was kind of the last thing. There was a few things that I believe helped me with my shyness. And it was the last thing that pretty much broke my shyness. I learned how to deal with it. I'm still a shy guy, but I have all the, the tools to, to help with it now. And uh, um, I would say uh, the first thing that I did was I started waiting tables. And I was, I, I was busing, you know, I started in the dish as di washing dishes, then I started busing tables, then I've managed to work my way up to, to waiting tables. And it was terrifying, but I learned that every time you walked up to a table, you had a captive audience and you had a basic, uh, oh. pay, a basic, uh, uh, you know, storyline with the specials and things like that. So I could kind of improvise, but I always had something to fall back on. And so I learned that confidence of walking up to the table and just going, okay, folks, you're listening to me now. And then, of course, uh, acting and learning, you know, to really kind of uh, in, in class, really learning how to uh, plan on how you want to say things. So, you, right. you know, it's, it's, you know, and especially acting, you know, most of it, except for improv is, you know, you have lines and you have to figure out how to say them. So that's, it's a different, it's different, you know, it's not, it, it is easy to be shy, but have, you know, a performance. Right. And then with stand up. I learned that, again, a captive audience, when you're stand up and you have that microphone in your hand, everybody is there because they want to be entertained and everybody's looking at you right. and you get to control the whole thing. And I would I learned to um, experiment early on. I would start out, get the, get them you know hooked and then I would experiment and then I would have my you know, the things that were always tried and true. And I would end with those. And, um, and it just gave me a lot more confidence to be able to walk into something. It really helped my, uh, my auditions because it was the same thing. You walk into a room and oh, they're all yeah. there. They want to see you and you have a set, you know, script to say, but there's also improv. 
where you're just when you're you're talking to him, going, "Hey, how you doing? How's it going? Hey, oh, nice hat. Well, you know, whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff." Right. And um, and so it really, really helped me with that. And then also just people seeing you on stage and go, you know, he might he might be good. And right. also being an, uh, being a comic, so many times breakdowns will come out and say, "We only want to see comics." Actually, because I did stand up was how I got into voiceover. You, you just sit back. I'm going to just talk. I'll just that's you don't have to ask me any questions. I'm I just going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my, I, I was with an agent who had, uh, you know, I was with them for on-camera commercial stuff, and the agency I was with had a very strong voiceover department. And the owner of the place called me up and said, "Hey." Hyundai is they're they're seeing people they only want to see comics because they want their their stuff to be their their dialogue to be funny but it's not written funny so they're only seeing comics and she said have you ever done a voiceover audition I went no but I'll sign in and do what they tell me and she went perfect and I got the job and from that point on I mean the floodgates opened and I was just auditioning voiceover all the time and 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 doing pretty well. I mean, it, 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 I'm just one of those weird stories like that. Cause people always ask me, you know, did you study? And so, no, I never took any voiceover classes. That's I incredible. Just, I just listened to what they wanted and, and picked up things along the way. Um, sometimes audition wise, you know, certain casting directors would give me, okay, we, we need something really quiet. So you learn to really talk very, very quietly in a microphone and, you know, all this kind of stuff and work the microphone and tech, you know, tech technical stuff of it. And, um, and yeah, and just had a good time. That sounds so cool that, you know, stand up is something I've always loved and I've always admired anyone who can do that because as much as I would love to try it, I've thought about it so many times, but I don't think I could <laughs> take uh, an audience turning against me, you know, and I know that's part of uh, the growth, you know, that's required to be in that business. But man, I, I that's just a hill I can't get myself over. Uh, well, the rejection is all part of the thing. Right. You, uh, I always tell people that there are a thousand reasons why you get a job and a thousand reasons why you don't and you have no control over any of them. Right. So you go in, you do the best you can, you do what you think works. Uh, and if they like it, they like it. If they don't like it, you're on to the next thing. Right. And you listen to, you know, and then you see what they ended up with and go, oh, oh, they wanted, they wanted bad. Okay. I didn't, I didn't do bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true, but you know, you know. Well, I know what you're saying, though. I know what you're saying. <laughs> oh, they wanted boring. Okay. Okay, fine. <laughs> So as far as uh, your stand-up act goes, are there, by chance, any recordings of any of the stand-up you did out there? Oh, like the if you dig deep, I did an evening at the Improv back when I, you know, a long time ago, uh, I had hair. So that's how, that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and that was, the, and I did that, and then shortly there, uh, that was kind of the pinnacle, and then I you shortly thereafter, I think a few months later, I was off doing Gump and it all, you know, all came to a screeching halt after that. Right. And also uh, I got into stand up at the very, very tail end of the boom in the late 80s, early 90s. Right. And so 
so my timing of doing Forrest Gump and that play was just the perfect timing because everything just went, not only were all the guys running the rooms at that time, but when I came back, I think there were about half as many rooms in town. Oh, really? So to, yeah. I mean, it just, there was, you know, at that, in the, you know, right around, you know, eight, late eighties, early nineties, there was like a, you know, stand up stage on, you know, every seven 11 throughout Los Angeles, basically, you know, it was, it was everywhere. And then it, you know, it just, everybody got tired of it. Right. I mean, if you, I remember in that age, at that time, pretty much every single channel had a comedy show and everybody was doing all of them. And then after a while, because it was super cheap, I think it, it was kind of the, certainly not related, but kind of the precursor to reality TV because it was so easy to produce. Oh, All you I needed see. to do was have a stage and, you know, and, and people were lining up to be on it. Right. And all you had to do is point a camera and, and you know, and, and it was super easy. And then, then, you, you know, you're charging the audience to come in and see it. So, <laughs> so it, win, win. there's money to be made every, in every way. Well, I'm going to have to do some digging online, see if I can find that, because I would love to see. Uh, it's see there. It. I've, I've seen it. So it's there. So it's out there. All right. I've got a white whale to start looking for. Um, you had mentioned a few times uh, Forrest Gump, your work on Forrest Gump. And uh, what I've seen online is you were the running double and the yeah. uh, across the America scene, if I'm not mistaken. Can you uh, elaborate a little bit about that? Pretty much if he is running, if you can't see his face, it's me. And if you look closely, my thighs were a lot bigger than Tom's. Oh, is that right? <laughs> so, so if you look closely, it's like big thighs, thin thighs, big thighs, thin thighs. <laughs> That's a gump Easter egg I've never heard before. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, yeah, pretty much every time I watch it, I go, me, 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 Tom, 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 me, Tom, me, Tom. Tom. I'm going to have to but, look uh, that up. I really wanted to do the football sequences, but he wouldn't let me. He said, no, 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 I'm doing that. That's too fun. So. <laughs> well, I've got something to look for the next time I watch that film. I might have to pull that up tonight and look for the thigh difference. <laughs> All right, let's jump over to uh, back over to voiceover Jeffrey the Draft, man. When I found out uh, you were the voice of Jeffrey, I, I just like I got to get him on the show because I'm a huge toy collector. You might be able to see some over my shoulder here and what you can't see uh here on the wall is definitely going to be a burden for somebody someday. But, um, and then I'm an even bigger fan of Toys R Us and uh, me and all the toy collectors out there are heartbroken that it's gone. But oh, yeah. definitely remember uh, you being Jeffrey. What was that? Like a uh, early two thousands, wasn't it? Yeah. Like 2002 to five or one to four something like that. Yeah. It was, it was like about two and a half, three years. It was so, great. How did that uh, role come to you? How did how did that all happen? That was, you know, I just went in and auditioned. Uh, I remember the the casting director was Carol Kimball, uh, sweet sweet woman, um, and um, just went in and read. They just said uh, Carol told me that they had done a big audition sweep already. Like they had talked to everybody. You know, she was saying, you know, this anybody and everybody in animation had auditioned. Wow. And they weren't finding what they wanted. And she said to me, I remember her saying, they don't want a silly voice. They just want a kid who just loves toys. And I went, great. Okay. And so I was just super excited about toys. And, uh, you know, and I had a, 
young kid at the time too. So I was, you know, buying him toys all the time. And, uh, (laughs) uh, and so it was just, he was just super excited about toys and I, and, and, and I got it. It was, it was so much fun. It was probably, I always tell people it was to date. It was the most fun job I've had mostly but, you know, the character was great, but mostly they also really encouraged a lot of improv. Oh, and really? uh, yeah, they would, I would go in the, the actual TV commercials were kind of, I didn't do that, that many of those. I did a lot more radio stuff uh, because the TV commercials were really very seasonal. They would have them for Christmas. They'd have oh. them for spring and they might have some for summer. So I do these blocks uh, the Christmas ones were always just amazing, uh, super fun. But um, I'd always go in and do it as scripted and then, you know, kind of do it, you know, have a good time. And then I would always then I would get to a place where I would just kind of start throwing in little things. And I don't know, I had probably been working for him for a couple of months. And I did that. We were, I was being you know professional, doing what the writers wrote. And then just kind of throwing in things like I'd finish the commercial, I'd finish the, the 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 written, and then throw something at the end. And they went, and one time early on in the process, they went, "Okay, good. We're you know, this is this is the part we like. We like it when you improv." And I went, "Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, so, but I always I'd always do it as it was scripted, just kind of get." Um, uh, a feel for what they wanted to do. And then we, then I would start playing with it. And one time I went in and it was a long, it was, you know, this, I was reading the script and every sentence was numbered. So, you know, one, two, three, you know, you know, so, and I remember there's a fairly long script and I remember going, so um, line 17, all it was, was hyphens. I was looking at it going, uh, so, and it was a phone patch. I think I was talking to, I think they were back in Chicago or somewhere like that. And, uh, I said, so on line 17, do you want me to try to come up with something? And then, yeah, we were kind of hoping you could come up with something. <laughs> they, they knew it was like where they wanted something funny, but they didn't know exactly what they wanted. Sure. And, oh God, it was so, so fun. So fun. Yeah. It gave you um, some creative freedom. Yeah. Well, there was, um, I remember on one of the, the television commercials, it was for the big book because yeah, they, every, every year they would send out oh, in, the, right, in, the, the in the newspapers, they had their, the Toys R Us big, is the big catalog within the newspaper yeah. with all the toys they had on sale. I remember that. And Jeffrey was very excited. I did a couple of them like that where, uh, but I think this was like the second or third year I was doing it. And the idea was that Jeffrey was reading the, to the kids upstairs in their room. So Jeffrey's head was coming through the upstairs window. Right. <laughs> and uh, I was I was doing it and I was, you know, had this stuff. He's you know, you know, Spider-Man web and all this other stuff that I'm saying. I was super excited about it. <laughs> and one time, one take. I was doing it and I spit on my sides. I went, oh, sorry, kids. I didn't mean to spit on you. And I kept going. And I look up into the control room behind the glass and everybody in there is just cracking up. 
And then somebody leans over, hits the button, goes, hey, Jim, that was great. Can you keep that in? We love the spit thing. And so, okay, great. And so, so That's it's fun. in there. It's in the commercial. You know, it, it, it comes back and he says, I'm sorry I spit on you kids. I get so excited. And so that wow. was the kind of stuff. It was just absolutely the greatest. And, sure. and then I did throughout the year, I was doing radio spots. And those were really fun. Uh, and I was working with this woman, um, Amy Lampier, I believe her name is. Um, she's a she's an actress. She's been on a bunch of things. Uh, and she was in that show, Transparent. Um, and she was, I worked with her for like three years and never met her. And then she finally oh, wow. moved out to, yeah, she finally moved out to LA. And somehow, you know, she got a hold of me and said, hey, you know, we worked for, for so long. Let's have lunch. So I had lunch with her. She was, she's great. Really liked her. That's cool. Um, and she does, I saw a thing on her. She does an amazing, she, she is, she does a sound alike for Julia Roberts and sounds exactly like her. No amazing. kidding. Yeah. One thing that I had heard because you were Jeffrey during the time uh, he was an animatronic draft. Yeah. It wasn't the animated cartoon as right. in previous commercials. And well, first and foremost, that draft First time I saw it, I still remember thinking, wow, they got a real draft because it was impressive. It looked so freaking good. But I had heard you say in another interview that they had somehow taken your likeness or the way you moved or your facial expressions and were able to put them on that draft. Is that is that accurate? Can you yeah, elaborate on that? A little bit. Yeah. Um, Stan Winston did it. The guy who did, uh, you know, Terminator and Predator oh, and wow. you know, just about anything like that you've well, ever seen. That's why it looks so good. Yeah. And while they were building it, they invited us out to see it. And I met Stan Winston for like, you know, a minute. And uh, um, a couple of the people walking around, uh, they had like, they had just done AI with... Uh, Haley Joel Osment. Right. And so they were in back in one corner was a bunch of stuff from that movie. And they have a, they have a special uh, conference room with, you know, the Terminator and the Predator and, and a bunch How of, cool. you know, a bunch of dinosaurs from Jurassic Park and stuff like that. So yeah, that went out and watched them make it before. And it, it was before they had the, the skin on it. So it's just, you know, 16 foot thing. That's just, you know, they're kind of working it out, just making all kinds of noise and clicking and blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. So, but the, uh, the first couple of sessions I did with them, they put with Toys R Us in general, uh, they had a camera just shooting me and, you know, getting, cause I, I, I use my hands a lot and I'm not one of those people can just, you know, act excited, sitting really still. I just can't do it. Right. So I, I'm, I'm moving and everything. And, um, and with the facial expressions, yeah. And they tried to incorporate that, incorporate that into the, the, the his face. And right. um, they invited me out when they were shooting a couple of commercials, they would take over a Toys R Us, like out in Glendale or somewhere. And I would come out and, and so they had my voice taped. And so they had it all uh, computerized that the, the mouth and everything was doing it to the, you know, to every, you know, what I had already laid down. But then the guys were making moving the head around and doing the eyes a little bit and stuff. So that was really trippy. I have a great picture with me standing right in Jeffrey's head is like right there. Oh, that's Super neat. cool picture. And it was just so trippy when they're, they're you know, shooting the commercial and they have the guys who are talking to them and, 
I'm standing back there in the back of the room and my voice is coming out of this 16 foot draft. Wow. And it was really cool. <laughs> One of the, that was, that was a real, that was really a trip. And, and then they would do the Spanish version and they had a guy just going, just talking super fast in Spanish. So I, right. I, I lobbied, a few people lobbied and I lobbied to do the Spanish too, but it would, I would have had to done it phonetically because I don't know Spanish well at all. Sure, uh, or sure. barely, even I would nano understand it. And uh, it would have, you know, cause this guy was talking super fast, but uh, <laughs> I think it would have been funny had I done it. And a few other people went, yeah, it's an American company. If you had an English accent doing the Spanish, it totally would have worked. But that's my opinion. And a few other people's opinion, obviously not the Toys R Us people's opinion. So wow. I didn't get that part. I am going to have to look up some of those commercials. The one I I really remember is uh, Jeffrey crank calling other toy stores, saying, "Hey, <laughs> you got this in stock? Oh, you don't. What will we do?" And you know, then uh, all the employees under him would start losing it. Have you got the Matchbox Super Blast fire truck vehicle, Hot Wheels Octo Blast track set, and Hot Wheels Turbojet City playset? You don't. What we do? <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. Whatever you're looking for, chances are we've got it. Amazing low prices on hot toys like the Tiger. It was so fun. I really miss, um, it's going to sound silly to say I miss commercials because there's obviously still commercials out there, but they don't, I don't think they leave quite the impression like they did then, if you know what I mean. Well, they were so much more important back back then yeah. before streaming and everything. And they had to entertain you know, right. and, um, you know, that was a, one of the greatest things when during that run is that uh, I don't I, I don't know, some whatever that some organization, you know, in, that, you know, is part of commercials where it was ranking uh, commercials that were identifiable and all the commercials I had running like that. I think I had six or seven and all of them were in the top ten. No kidding. Because, you know, well, Toys R Us, the second you hear that song, yeah, uh, it, when you know, it's whistling at the very beginning, you know it's a Toys R Us commercial before you even see it. Right. And 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 and, it, and they were they were really entertaining, but also doing what they were supposed to be doing. I had so many people come up to me, uh, uh, friends who did not know I was doing that. I would say, oh, I you know I, I was the voice of Jeffrey Giraffe, and they went, oh my god, and they would start reciting their favorite one. It was like five years after this, after the they had been running, and right. they would recite the whole commercial to me. And I went, wow, that's pretty cool. So it's funny yeah, how they commercial. Were, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. They, they were just memorable, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, the the one year the crank calling one was one of my favorites, just because. Other than the products I had to say, they let me play with what I was doing. You know, the, awesome. you know I think that the, the we do is something I came up with. I don't remember everything I came up with, but it was, it was it, every, every session was just an absolute blast. It was, you know, you know, yeah. never in any of the, well, anytime I'm doing a voiceover gig, I go, yay, I got a voiceover gig. But there was never even an iota of going, oh, I got to go to work because oh, sure. Toys R Us things were so fun. You know, right. they would tell me, oh, next week you're going in and I'd just be so excited. Counting the minutes, them. right? Yeah, it was so fun. <laughs> that would be. That's so neat. I'm going to have to go watch some of those old commercials again. That's, that's so fun. 
We're going to jump to a quick commercial break, but when we come back, more with Jim Hanks. Stick around. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now, uh, you were also the voice of, well, I shouldn't say were, you still are uh, the voice of Woody for uh, Toy Story toys, games, specials, and rides. I was wondering if you could uh, elaborate a little on how that happened and uh, maybe what the audition process was like. I remember the very first session I did. I don't believe there was an audition. I th- or maybe the first session was an audition. Um, but I don't know. I just remember getting a call and going in and doing it. And the the, uh, the first, it was for the first pull string. The, the, sh- the, the movie wasn't even out yet. I don't think the movie was coming out for another few months. And they were, but they were starting to get the toys ready for Christmas. Cause I think Toy, Toy Story, the first few of them always came out in, like Thanksgiving. And, and, and so there'd be a huge, uh, you know, push for the Christmas toys. But um, I don't remember having an audition for that. I just okay. remember going in and say, can, can you sound like your brother? Yeah, I can sound like Tom. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, you're my favorite deputy, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and yeah. So it's been a great gig. I mean, it's, it's weird. Uh, was a couple of years ago it was the 25th anniversary of it and i'm just going holy crap i've been doing this for 26 27 years wow. now congratulations yeah, it was it was yeah it was cool i was uh it was shortly after toy story 4 came out and i went and met tom for lunch and we were talking about it and uh and he said and i it, it kind of i wasn't expecting it and i was kind of just not even thinking about it and he said well what is yours now? And I went, Oh, well, I guess he is, isn't he? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not complaining. It's a, you know, nice long running gig. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I really enjoy doing those. Uh, they can be a little difficult sometimes depending on what's going on, but uh, sure. uh, they, they make me sing every once in a while, which is like pulling teeth. Uh, I'm not much, I'm not a singer. <laughs> And every time they tell me I'm going to be singing, I just get a kind of break out into a flop sweat. And, but I've sure. I'm, I'm managed to get through it. <clears throat> but um, yeah, they're, they're great. Um, sometimes they are like uh, I did one uh, a few months ago that, oh, geez, I think it was about probably like thir- like 45 pages in every page. You know, not none of the lines, lines are long. A lot of them are like yeehaws and, you know, you you could do it kind of thing is for like, you know, like games and stuff. And you're sure. And yeah. But um, I can be in there for, you know, three or four hours and my my voice is completely shot because uh, like we have to like we have to. He always says yeehaw at a really, you know, really loud right and i always have to wait i always have to put those at the end because if i do them at the beginning i my voice is shot i just can't do it because i have to go super falsetto and it just it just gravel on my 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 chords yeah right but uh but other than that it's it's very it's very cool and uh over the years i've kind of i i kind of embellish 
you know, sometimes they, uh, they uh, sometimes I'll throw in things that that are very Woody-ish that they haven't written in, and they go, "Oh, well, that's a good idea. Yeah, let's have them say that." So very it's nice. very fun, and I really and, and I always work with the same people, and they're just absolutely lovely, and and uh, it's 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 great. That's that's so fun. I would love to try that too, but got to get over the stand-up thing first, I guess. Nah. Right? <laughs> well, no, a lot of people do voiceover and didn't do stand-up, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's voiceover true. is his own thing. That's true. Um, one of the uh, go back in, going back to voiceover. One of the things that when people have asked me how I've gotten into it, one of the things I tell them is that I think I. Without realizing it, I was kind of setting myself up for a career in voiceover, or there's things that happened that make sense to me now, is that one of my favorite things to do when I was young, like, uh, well, I, you know, I was eight years old when I became an uncle. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm 11, 12 years old, and I have these, you know, three and four year old niece and nephews. Oh, okay. And, and uh, I would read them. I'd read them stories. Nothing teaches you how to do voiceover faster than trying to entertain little kids <laughs> and keeping, you know, and being, you know, fast and funny and keep the voices going and all that kind of stuff. So to me, that was a really great play. And then when uh, my son was born, I would read to him every night and, you know, he would ask me to do the, you know, he had favorite books that I would read. And there was a couple of books that had a lot of different voices and I would do all the different voices. And it, you oh, know, cool. and it, that really, really gave, gave me um, a lot of practice on sure. how to do it because, yeah, because, you know, keeping the attention of a, a, a little kid who doesn't want to go to sleep <laughs> <laughs> is the best. It's, it's really a great barometer of how to, right. how to do it. That's amazing. Well, speaking of your son, I've heard you say on another interview that in this interview, I think goes back two or three years that uh, at the time you were working on a sci-fi story writing with him. And I was wondering if uh, you were at a point you were able to talk about that at all. Yeah. Um, we are actually, uh, that particular project uh, is with my son and another, uh, another writing part, partner, uh, my son's Gage Hanks and another writing partner, uh, Paul Benton. And um, we have been working on it off and on for the last three, three and a half, four years, something like that. Wow. And uh, and it's we've done a couple of different rewrites on the pilot, and we just did another one and did a reading, and we're really happy with it. And we are now, uh, you know, pushing it around town. Sweet. Uh, you know, submitting it to anybody and everybody we can. You know, it's 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 also subjective, so I kind of had to take other people's word for it. But the you know, uh, people have read the script and and uh, and 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 really like it, and people have said uh, really positive things about the pitch deck and everything. So yeah, we're real we're real excited about getting it out and very uh, positive in that will it'll get made. Uh, some early on, even in the early iterations of it, we put it in front of people and some the reactions were like, wow, so, so positive. Well, that's exciting. Uh, so, and I think it's so much better now. So we'll see, we'll see. And, um, and I really enjoy working with my son, Gage. He's, uh, he, boy, uh, well, I think because he's been around it all his life, he really understands story and, 
not only just because he's been around it, but he's really interested in it. Like he, he's done so much reading about story, you know, he, right. We'll be talking he starts quoting, you know, all these, you know, different books that he's read, you know, of course, you know, the hero's journey and all that kind of stuff. Um, and he's really very much a student of it. And he is, he's, he's, he's really, he's, you know, granted, yeah, he is my son, but he's, he's really bright. And he just, uh, I really admire his, his opinion and his sense of what's good and what's not. Because he won't, he doesn't just say, oh, I don't like that. He will tell you exactly why something didn't work or oh, wow. why something did work. And he, you know, uh, I kind of like to take a little credit for it because <laughs> when we, when he was really young, we would go to you know, go to uh, movies and my wife and I, he'd be sitting back in the back seat in his little booster, you know, chair. And he'd be like, he's four and a half, five, whatever. And we would come out of every movie we ever saw. And my wife and I would start tearing it down. We would deconstruct de it. We would talk about the performances or the story and what worked, what didn't, did, 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 all this kind of stuff. And I remember one time we were coming back. I wish I could remember what the movie was. But uh, he said, Do you, did you guys not, did you not like that movie? I said, no, we did like that movie. I don't remember what movie it was. So why do you tear it down like that? And he says, well, we're just, we're just talking about the construction of the movie. Right. And so he really early on saw movies as with the components that made them, not just this form of entertainment. You watched it and went, Oh, and then, and then you went off. Right. He, he, from a very, very early age tore them down so much so that when, I think he was about four years old. We um, introduced him to Star Wars and he watched the, the first three, you know, or, you know, what is it? Four, five, and six. Right. Over and over and over again. I mean, he wore out the VH tapes, VHS tapes. <laughs> and one time, and this, this really struck us. One time he came up to Karen and said, you know, uh, Darth Vader's, music is dun, 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 dun. and he's so he's singing the music and and luke and 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 uh uh leia's music is this and luke's music is this and he goes what's han's music and we went oh i don't oh think han God. has music and, and he was four years that. old and he pointed that out to me and it was wow. it was that kind of blew my mind right there <laughs> i'd never thought about that but he's absolutely right yeah, but that was the, that's how he was four years old and he was, he was, wow, thinking about movies on that level. Uh, wow. So, He's got me thinking about it now. I've never thought about that, well, but everyone uh, has their theme except for Han. I wonder why. I don't know. Wow. wow. That's really cool. So uh, is this the only project you guys uh, have worked on together? Are there other things you guys uh, are doing together or? At this point, well, no, he... He has, he wrote, he's kind of developing a horror thing that I've been helping him with a little bit. Uh, that's kind of on the back burner now. There's another uh, project that I have been working off on, uh, on and off for a long time that he's going to help me on. Uh, there's another project that I have been connected with, with another person called the client list that he uh, will probably help with. 
And uh, I think there's one or two other things, but uh, I, I, I hope to work with him forever because uh, he's right. and 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 it's it's really interesting to me because uh i've never really thought about working with my son like that but oh my god when he, he starts he he's just so good at it uh I, right. I it's it's just really exciting and and he just keeps me in check too he does not because of our relationship if i start going off on something goes no dad that's not no that doesn't work because this isn't this and i go oh Damn, you're right. Okay, fine. <laughs> Such attention to detail, man. It makes me oh, even more excited to uh, see what you guys are cooking up. The sci-fi. Oh, the sci-fi thing. So one of the first things I've ever written that I just went. I don't care. I'm. I'm. Usually, when I try to write something, I try to write it small so I can possibly produce it and make it. Sure. Uh, which is some, which is definitely on the, is part of the, the, uh, uh, the algorithm and other projects, but this one, we just went, screw it. We're good. This is, this is going to be as big as it, it just is. And it's ginormous. It is, it is not cheap. Right. And, uh, but even with that, everybody's really, everybody really likes it. So we'll see, we'll see if somebody picks it up. You'll have to let me know if so. I'd love to get you guys on to talk about it uh, when that happens. That would be incredible. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Uh, there's one other thing that I that I've done. Uh, I, I there's another project with another guy. It's called MIA. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. And uh, it is um, a personal story. Uh, the original script was written by uh, a, a, now, a man who's now a friend of mine. His name is Raul Mangilardi. And his father was a naval pilot shot down over Vietnam in 1965. Oh, wow. And the story is about him, but mostly about his mother and how she dealt with his being MIA and how and, and, and her, his mother was really an amazing woman. And I came in. And uh, did a pretty major reconstruction and polish of the of the script, and uh, and now it's um, it's it's moving along great. Uh, it's it seems to be uh, you know funded in uh, you know on paper anyway, um, and uh, now they're looking to to get talent attached, and uh, it's 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 pretty exciting. I mean, they're talking like who's who of powerful people who they want to get attached. You know, oh just, really. Yeah, you think of think of a very uh, prominent female actor. Think of any of them, and that's who they want to talk to. So it's wow. pretty cool. That's exciting. I don't yeah. want to drop names like that, but no, you can drop I, names I get like it. I, I don't <laughs> expect you to. I just I saw a little blurb of it there on um, on a IMDb, and just based on what I saw there, it was intriguing. So it sounds like it's going to be really good. Yeah. Well, it's. Uh, the people from Imprint have been, have had the option now for a while, uh, and Imprint was the company who did the Twilight movies. Oh wow! So that's that's pretty cool. And then there's been some new players coming in recently, so it's uh, it's it's getting a lot of traction. So we'll see how see how it goes. I'm really excited about that one. I'm excited about all of them, really. But uh, sure, um, yeah, the sci-fi thing is probably. I see the sci-fi thing being great fun for, for several seasons. Oh, I want to see it now. <laughs> I'm sure you do too, though. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really cool. Cause it's so complicated. 
we just sit around and we just start going, what if, what if, what about this? What about that? And you could come up with one kind of general idea and it's like, it just goes off in all these different directions. It's really fun. It's really fun to just, you know, just work those all out. Right. You ha- again, keep in touch because I would uh, love to uh, get you back on to talk about those projects when they're out. That'd be awesome. Uh, one more question for you. Uh, as you've been in so many parts of the entertainment is- industry, you know, acting on screen and voiceover, producer, cinematographer, writer, and the list goes on. Uh, what's your favorite job to do within the industry and why? I would have to say all of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's allowed. <laughs> uh, writing, though, is, to be honest, is a, I have a love-hate thing with writing. Um, writing is one of those things that, you know, I'm the classic... ADHD, you know, uh, uh, procrastinator, you know, it's so hard to sit down and write, but once I'm doing it, it's great. It's even better when I'm done and I have this thing. uh, And then I go back and look at it and go, I, I wrote that. That's okay. Cool. (laughs) I like that. Um, I would probably say the, the most fun I've had so far would be directing because I haven't directed anything on a large scale. So when I direct, I usually am shooting too, because I really like to shoot. I like okay. cinematography. I like, uh, I like, I like doing steady cam and all that stuff. But I, I like, I like doing, I like doing that. And I think um, I've got, I've gotten some really nice feedback on how I do it. But I also, I also just like knowing a lot or a little about everything that's going on. I always felt like because I learned cameras the way I did and shooting the way I did and not just, I don't, you know, I don't put a camera on auto and just do it. I really, I, I studied a lot of, you know, a lot of how to, how to use light and, uh, and experimented and, 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 and really read up on the technology of the cameras. Uh, a little, I haven't been doing that that much because the cameras are, uh, so much better even in the few years that I, that I haven't done it. But uh, I've, I've always felt because of that as a director for content, I pride myself on having enough knowledge that I can talk to any, any department, you know, being an actor, I've sat in a ton of makeup chairs. I don't know how to apply it, but I know what, I want to see so I can talk to uh, somebody in makeup and go, here's what I'm looking for. Right. And, and same with uh, wardrobe, same with art direction. And I'm also, I love collaboration. I am not a micromanager. I will say to somebody, I need, you know, art direction, you know, here's this room. It's somebody's office. It needs to be dark and ominous. And they go, gotcha. And they'll go off and they'll find things that they think are dark and ominous, bring me a bunch of pictures. And I go, that's what I'm thinking. Point it to picture. And I go, great. And, and, and so there's, there are people who are so much better qualified at it, but I can give them an idea of what I want. And oftentimes they bring in stuff better than I could. And so I love that. I'm not afraid to have uh, to be the guy who has the last word. I don't have a problem doing that, but I also don't have, I, pride myself or I work on the idea that my ego is not so big that if I see something better, I'll admit it. Right. Because, 
you know, it's just collaboration in its purest form with the right people will make something better than any one person could possibly do. I think. Um, It makes sense. I would imagine clashing egos would uh, really hinder a project being made. Yeah. Well, you know, and that, but that's, there's also uh, who you work, who you're working with. You know, I have been, I not that I've directed anything with, with uh, toxic people, but I've been on a lot of sets with toxic people. Right. And, uh, and especially uh, as a, as an actor, I've seen people in departments who are backstabbing other departments and things like that. Oh. And it's just, uh, it's just, it's just, it is just a poisonous atmosphere. Right. And I am so, I don't want that. So I find people that are, that are genuinely nice and fun to work with. And that's who we work with. And we all have a great time. And, you know, I don't, I've been saying it so much recently, you'll see things where after it's over, you go, it's obvious they had a blast making that. Like for instance, recently I watched the, the Adam project. Oh, I see that so bad. Netflix. It's great. It's really fun. But when you watch it, you can tell everybody on that set was having a blast because the you can just tell it's just it's just seeping off the screen, and then there there's things where you can kind of go mm, I don't think they were having too much fun like that, you know. <laughs> right. Another there's a great show we just watched um, a BBC a BBC show called Ghosts. Uh, I highly recommend it. There's only three seasons out of it. They made they they they're, they tried to make a uh, an American version of it. I, w- I wouldn't even bother with that one because the BBC one is so great. And it's, it's, it's contemporary. It's made right now. Okay. And it's so charming. And you can tell everybody's having such a blast making it. That's incredible but, uh, how that translates that's, to the screen. But that to me, you know, that's what I, 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 that's what I dream of is, you know, having that, that, that uh, uh, experience or the opportunity to, 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 to direct and produce something where everybody's just having a blast. They right. believe in the project. They're going to work hard, but, you know, and I'll, I also a big believer in not overworking people, you know, right. 10 hour days is as much as anybody wants to go and, and just have a good time. So I cannot wait to see these projects. Sounds like you really know what <laughs> I you're will, doing. Uh, when, uh, you, when they start, if they, when they start getting any kind of, uh, you know, a legitimate uh, press, mm-hmm. I'll shoot you the links. Oh, please do. Please do. Jim, thank you so much for giving me so much of your time today and uh, just having this amazing conversation. It's been my pleasure to speak with you. Well, it's been, uh, it's been very, very fun, very pleasant. Thank you. All right, and there it is, my conversation with Jim Hanks. I want to thank him so much again for taking the time to come on the show to talk with me. I had a blast, and I really hope you guys had a blast listening to it. And be sure to check out his IMDb page, because it's so long. There are so many different things he's done in the entertainment industry. Uh, It would take me forever to sit here and list even a quarter of them. 
And if you really like this episode, head over to our YouTube page because there's going to be the video of our conversation uh, posting at the same time this episode does. So be sure to check that out. And I think that's going to do it for this episode. So once again, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And head over to CandairPodcast.com. There's all kinds of different things you can do over there. Uh, check out past episodes, see some videos, our other special guests we've had on the show, and our merch and Patreon tabs. Two different ways for you to support us and get some extra stuff in return. And once again, don't forget, uh, April 29th, 30th, and May 1st, next weekend from the time this episode is posting, is Fan Expo Cleveland at the Huntington Convention Center. Head over to FanExpoHQ.com to get your tickets and see the list of all the amazing guests who are going to be there cosplayers, comics, toys, everything you find at a convention ramped up to 10. So be sure to check that out as well. And once again, don't forget to go to evergreenpodcast.com to check out the Evergreen Podcast Network, a network we're proud to be a part of with so many other amazing shows. So check them out as well. And with all that being said, that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley, and always remember to be excellent to each other. Puppy. Oh no! Don't run, it'll only make things worse! What? Remember, you never want to approach a stray dog, especially one that's foaming at the mouth. Get away from the animal as quickly as you can and tell a grown up. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Now you're going to go watch Star Wars and go, he doesn't have music. Uh, that, and I'm going to go look for the thighs. Thighs in Han Solo's okay. music. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that maybe came out wrong, but you know what I mean. This has been a Canned Air production. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains, will discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.